Hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. I am so happy to be back chatting to lots of lovely plant-obsessed people about their stories. From flower farmers and allotmenters to some of the greatest garden gurus, listen to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants, from our biggest achievements to our fabulous garden fails. This season is sponsored by Mole Valley Farmers, who are all about keeping your garden tidy this autumn. Visit them in stores across the UK or at moleonline.com between now and the 26th of October to make the most of their fantastic offers. You'll find discounts on items like wheelbarrows, lawn seed and bulbs ready to plant for spring colour. So head over to check out these items and many more. In this episode, I got to chat to the fabulous Steph, otherwise known as Homegrown with the Haydens. You may know her better as the lady behind the Insta Village Fair, Coffee in the Greenhouse, Ugly Grid, Hayden's Power Hour or the Grow Along Gang. We chatted about her gardening story and the amazing work she's done in her own garden, as well as how she has got the whole of Instagram talking, sharing and laughing through lockdown and beyond. Hello Steph, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, yeah, it's good. It's nice to be chatting to you. It's been a while since we've had a good catch up, so it's really lovely to have a chat. So lovely. Um, the last time, well, we actually met each other in person, didn't we? At real life. Court Palace. Uh, and it was quite embarrassing because I saw you and I was like, I know exactly who you are by your Instagram handle and I have no idea what your first name is. And in real life, it's not okay to go, oh, hi, Homegrown with the Haydens. How are you? (laughs) It was so funny because I met so many people that day. And I think even people whose names I knew, I had this moment of like, is that their name or isn't that their name? And then I was like, kind of just randomly shouting out handles at people and being like, oh, I mean, I was I was quite fangirling over Charles Dowden I think just after we'd met and I was like I've just met Charles and was a bit flappy so yeah apologies for that (laughs) no that's okay I was the same when I met him Uh, we got a little photo together because he did a bit of filming on my allotment so um it was quite funny actually I feel feel like no one knows this story because there was so much of the show that just happened in a blur but that morning um was press morning the Monday and we'd been there since seven o'clock and at um was it just before 10 it must have been about half past nine I'd realized I'd left my phone on the roof of my sister's car so I'd run back to the car park while she was prepping all my cocktail bits for the press call um and then I came back and Charles Dowding was just sort of floating around my sister runs up to me and she's there going Shannon you've been hanging around for about 20 minutes you tried to stop talking to me and I had said he had to wait for you and she was stressing and so (laughs) I started talking to him and he was asking me loads of questions about the garden, but she was trying to prep my cocktail ingredients for the press call and she didn't know the recipe. It was all in my head. So she was going, Jam, Jam, how much sugar syrup needs to go in? And then I was like, yes, I'm really into no dig and it's 25 ml of sugar syrup. (laughs) (laughs) And then as soon as he left, the press call started. So it was such a blur of like a 20 minutes. And then I probably met you not long after that. That was just the craziest day. It was very intense. I think like I was just wandering around kind of meeting people and looking at stuff. And when I got back on the train to come home, I was like, oh, I feel like I've been hit by a train myself. Like it was so much. And I wasn't even exhibiting. So it <laughs> must have been an intense week for you. It was. We finished every day and we were just like dead batteries. Like mm. never before have I ever eaten so much takeaway food. <laughs> because we'd, my sister, bless her, on the, like the Monday and Tuesday when she was there, she would like disappear off and bring me food every few hours, every time it looked like I was flagging, which was incredible. And then we'd get back to the, the little Airbnb we were staying at and we'd lie there scrolling through, like, you know, when you just cannot make a decision on food, we're like, do yeah. we want Korean? Do we want <laughs> yeah. Nando's? Do we, like, what, what are we going to eat? We had, I think we had Greek one night. Um, There's so many options as well when you're in London. Oh yeah, it was great. But you just lay in there like a dead battery, like absolutely starving, but just can't figure out what to eat. And then we just waited for food to arrive, ate the food in silence, lay there going, what a day, what a day, what a day, and then went to bed. (laughs) And who else did you meet at the show? Um, So I think you saw me kind of stalking Drag Queen Gardener. (laughs) I I want to say hello, but I don't, because I had that moment of, 
this is someone that I've followed and just think is doing such wonderful things for kind of drawing attention to the fact that we need to make gardening more inclusive for people and I was just like a bit in awe and then obviously um it was kind of press call on your plot which was amazing to see the both of you and yeah it was just amazing and we had so much fun um and I also met Jess um allotment and cake who has been like such a huge supporter of my account I've, I've talked to her for, I think she was one of kind of the first people who followed me and we've been oh. chatting for ages and ages and it was actually her who said why don't you get kind of come come to, to Hampton and um, we met um, which was really lovely she is so lovely she actually sent me the purple pea seeds that were on my tp at the show um, and we met each other at Chelsea last year when I was on Lizzie's stand and her and um your organic allotment I can't think of her name Laura Laura I, I met them both and they were just so <laughs> wonderful they're the sweetest people and they're so really champion like other gardeners and I think Absolutely. that's really really nice I, I have a lot of time for anyone who thinks that there's room for everyone and I think that for anyone that wants to make a space for themselves in horticulture I think it's really nice when people go they want room let's shove everyone shove up let's make space for them like, I love that I think that's so important in the world now um because ultimately there's room for everyone and uh, that's where we need to be headed so yeah it was everyone's them in person everyone's doing something a bit different so it's not like yeah. everyone's just copying each other and there's 100 people doing the exact same thing it's not like lifestyle influences <laughs> yeah I think it's all like everyone has their kind of skill of the thing that they can grow really well or the way that they grow things and stuff and I I think it's lovely I think it's so it's so nice to have people you can share that passion with and talk to people about because before before I came on to kind of gardening Instagram I don't think I had many people that gardened like lots of my friends were like oh yes Steph's a bit of a hippie um and kind of nodded and smiled when I'd like talk at them about how big my dahlia flowers were or like, like look at this pumpkin that's you can't buy this pumpkin in a supermarket and they're like yeah all right then um and like some of my friends even like whenever they see me are like they they have this little like hashtag that they always go oh did you know I grow because they know at some point I'm gonna <laughs> go did you know I grew this or do you want these tomatoes and I've always got like a gherkin in my handbag or a tomato or something so I think they were all a bit like yeah you're a bit strange and then I found garden Instagram and just found loads of friends and people that understood what it was like to get a dinner plate daily that actually grew to the size of a dinner plate and <laughs> what excitement that is um so yeah it's been a joy to have people to share it with definitely and you do so much to get other people involved and get people <clears throat> get people growing and help them along the journey which we will come on to later but first off can we just start talking about your growing space and you've done an amazing project this year but I'll let you explain so I, I have loads of kind of little patches of growing so I have an allotment which is kind of my baby and that's grown over the last eight years now um, so my allotment is, it's now two full allotments, which I don't know how big that is, but basically I started with a half plot, um, because I wasn't allowed a full plot because I essentially was new to gardening and they didn't believe I would do it. And I overheard some people, um, having a conversation and somebody said, yeah, she won't last out the season. She's got no idea what she's doing. Um, and eight years on, I've now got two full plots. So I took on, um, I made it full the second year and then we took on another half. And then last year I took on another half. So it's now two full ones, but that was so we could put chickens on. So we've got, I've got three greenhouses um, and I've got three sheds, <laughs> a chicken house, um, and then just loads of raised beds. Um, I'm converting everything to no dig slowly um, as I kind of make more compost and, and make perennial beds and stuff. So that's kind of the allotment. And then this year on New Year's Day, <laughs> I went a bit mental and was like, I've had enough because my front garden was tarmac for um, about 15 years, possibly 20, like before we had the house. And it was just this red tarmac and like a really little strip of growing at the end, which I'd stuck loads of lavender in an attempt to kind of 
make something wild out of it and I'd hated it for ages and ages and ages and then I just said enough's enough I want to rewild the front garden and Mr H has learned over the years to just go yeah all right then we'll just we'll do it um and so I went at the garden with an, a 90 year old like pickaxe that I'd bought for a pound from a car boot and a, a pallet splitter and everyone was like, you'll never get it up with that. And I was like, I'm not hiring a digger. I can't afford to hire a digger. I'm going to have to do this by hand. So we literally went at it and took all the tarmac up. And it took us about, I think it took us eight full days to get all the tarmac up. But they were kind of split over weekends. So it was probably over like a month. But it took us a, a long time. And then I discovered that there was heavily compacted like gravel underneath <laughs> that was... I wasn't really thinking that that would be there. I was like, I'm going to take the tarmac up and it'll be soil. And it really wasn't. And that was, a bit. I cried a few times just from the pain of digging it was a lot. Um, and we filled about three skips. Um, but thankfully we had sort of people that wanted it. So we filled up like the big, you know, those big bags you get the gravel in. We filled those up and they kind of took those away, which was really helpful because we didn't have to pay for skips to remove them. Um, but we did, I think we had two skips for the whole project and then then I had loads of trouble getting any soil which was a nightmare um to try and get some soil that I wanted delivered um so that was really late but once that was all done we dug in a pond and now it's this rewilded space which has been I, I think of everything I've ever done that's probably my favorite piece of gardening because I was so amazed that we started it on New Year's Day and I think we had the first signs of wildlife coming back on like, I think it might have even been sort of March, April time. We started to get like kind of small insects and things. And now we've got toads, frogs. We've seen a fox drinking out of the pond. There's, there's a hedgehog that lives in someone else's garden and I'm trying to poach it across. So I've been leaving like a bowl of food at the edge of their garden to try and wean him to mine um so yeah I mean now we're getting kind of mammals coming which is really exciting and birds and stuff um but yeah that was a it was a bit of a bigger project than I thought it was going to be on New Year's Day but I'm so glad that we did it it was it's been the best and all the neighbours ask us lots of questions <laughs> about what I'm gonna do next with it and stuff and it's it does nice. just look amazing and I think really inspirational as well because you've got it's like a complete a space that other people might have and think well I can't grow anything unless it's in pots because of it so I think it was a really good fit it. like it was so exciting to watch the process and like the Hayden's power hour was just it, I feel like it was iconic in that <laughs> in that moment of it trying was... to crack through the the hard graft that was just like those wheelbarrow kind of time lapses were like <laughs> so fun to watch afterwards because you can see the pile going down but when you're filling that barrow you're just like oh it can't go on but it's like it's a really small space so it's only like maybe four meters by four meters if that and we've got a pond in there I'm growing tomatoes in there there's fruit bushes in there I think there's some broccoli in there because I've, <laughs> I've shoehorned veg in amongst like all the wildflowers and stuff um but it was really cheap to do like I I got all the perennials that are in there are offcuts from other people's gardens that people have donated things were from the back garden which I converted into a kitchen garden because I needed the plants from that to make the rewild <laughs> look good um so yeah, the projects this year have been pretty, I mean, when I think back, I've done quite a bit, really. I've uh, put, in, put in greenhouses in the back garden and turned that into a, a kitchen garden because there were th there's things I can't grow at the allotment. So I can't grow any alliums at my allotment because it's got white rot and they just, oh, okay. they die every year. So I decided I wanted a space where I could grow them. So, I mean, it's going to look really boring over the winter because it's just going to be rose, onions and garlic, but it was the only any alternative for me at this point um I think I'm out. only going to do onions and garlic at the allotment anyway so mine can look the same yeah I think it's going to be a bit boring for for looks wise but yeah it'll it'll be good and is it your um home garden greenhouse that is the location of coffee in the greenhouse yes it is so it started off 
as literally going and having a look in my zippy and then I upgraded to a big walk-in zippy and people really really bought into me telling them what temperature it was like I was getting requests if I didn't do one in the morning people had messaged me what temperature was the greenhouse <laughs> um and it got really um it was a lot of fun to do and then I upgraded to the glass greenhouse this year which has been a bit of a learning curve because my zippies were always a little bit shaded mm-hmm. um and so this year I've I've scorched a lot um, oh, really? all my chilies have been quite dry e- everything's been pretty dry because I've just not been used to growing under glass mm-hmm. um, and this year all my greenhouses have been plastic this year has been like the hottest I've ever known it so I think it's probably a combination of factors there. Yeah. So that was a bit of a, a kind of fail, but you know, we all have a shelf of death where all the things go to die and sit there in their pots or wilted. So yeah, I just think it's nice to share that bit. And I think people like seeing what things look like in stages because we often sort of show like, here's me sewing this thing and here's this beautiful sweet PTP. And it's not um there's a lot that goes into those stages and there's a lot of plants that die that don't make it to the TV or to the wall or the bed or whatever so yeah I like to I like to show those bits definitely and people love it because it's that like realistic gardening I we talk about this so much but it's that I only ever remember to take a picture when something looks really great and then I'm like oh but like there's so much that's gone wrong and everyone just thinks everything's going absolutely spectacularly well when the reality is I just haven't taken a photo of three quarters of the allotment because nothing's going well in it. I think that's how I felt when I first came on to um, Instagram was I was like I can't show pictures of my allotment because there's loads of weeds or there's bits I haven't finished or there's stuff that I haven't done. And that was when I was like, I need a hashtag that I can share my stuff on. So it became <laughs> the ugly grid. And that's been one of the most joyful hashtags I think I've done because it was just so nice to see people going, there's a space for me to share this montage of eight, <laughs> eight pots with just dead stuff in and then one flower. <laughs> Do you know what as well is whenever... Whenever people come to the allotment, I always go, Oh, you have to like excuse the mess. I've not really tied it up in a long time. I haven't got the stringer out, blah, blah, blah. I'll list off all the things that are wrong with the space. And everyone else goes, If you hadn't have said that, wouldn't have noticed the weeds. No. Because, like, as a fresh person coming in, you look at it from a complete other perspective. It was the yeah. same when I went to see um Amelia's flower farm. She was like, Oh, and this is a bit messy, and this is like this isn't where how it should be, and this is overgrown. I was like, Amelia, I'm not seeing any of like on my allotment, I would be the exact same. I'd be like, oh, mind the yeah. weeds and that. But when you're in someone else's space, you just see the like real beauty of it. And I think it's really important mm-hmm. to try and see it in your own space. Like even when it yeah. is, it's like wild and that's how nature should be. <laughs> yeah. When it's got the kind of wild aesthetic, that's what yes. we're going for here. You know, it's on trend yeah. now. It's on trend now to have wild gardens. So we're we're yeah. all good. We're, we're ahead of the game <laughs> we are and it's better for nature anyway so that's yeah. what we're really in it for we don't want to be too tidy no <laughs> um so one of the other things that I've loved watching this year which I actually started doing myself is the bakashi is this your first year doing it yeah so I mean we all get lots of messages from people saying oh will you try this product will you do this thing and um I say no to probably 95% of it because I just I mean I I'm not a person who makes content it's going to be really specific to what people ask and I'm always like you you have watched stuff I've done haven't you before <laughs> I agree to anything um and um Agaton messaged me and we're like look we really want you to test this like thoroughly test it you can be as honest as you want you can try everything um and I was like okay I'll do it but I want to do it in a way where I'm not paid for it because I want people to buy into this because I think this is a really good way of doing it so I did it as a full-on experiment we've we've got um some really exciting stuff coming in the next few weeks but I can't tell anyone about it yet but it's very exciting um but we so we started it earlier on in the year and I was a bit like I feel like this is a bit odd um because I'm fermenting essentially stuff I put in the bin um so I put like 
pasta and cheese and I mean there's never waste cheese I don't know why I've even said that <laughs> there's, there's no cheese goes in it but if it's on top of something or like burn on stuff or leftovers and I thought this is never going to work it's never going to be um this incredible thing that it's it's turned into like now we throw I feel like we've kind of closed the loop in our house now that food kind of comes in and we try and eat as much as we can from sort of local sources and then anything that is going to be waste is going in in the Bokashi systems and then we're making compost and we're making compost at an alarming rate like we've got I've never come to this point in the season and had enough compost to go yeah I can mulch all my beds this year um so all of the raised beds that I've made I will be able to compost mulch with the bakashi that we've made um with the compost we've made with the bakashi this year which I didn't expect but Mr H was like if it's gonna save me money I'm going (laughs) on it and he's really enjoyed it so yeah we've it's been a, a really cool journey and I think so many people have started doing it which is I've really liked um I like that people have found something that that's good but some of my friends laugh at me they're like oh are you juicing your bins again <laughs> I'm seeing the bottom stuff out of it you know what though um, when I first heard about it <clears throat> I was like it just I don't get it like I like the food you know the food caddies that you have in your kitchen so yeah. problematic but I live in a little flat. I can't have one of those because the fruit flies after like a day are unbearable. Mm. Um, and so I'd been looking for something for ages. But I feel like everyone started talking about Bakashi, but no one was showing you what would actually happen. It was like, uh, just got a Bakashi bin. Great. And then you'd never hear anything else about it. And I was like, why is no one talking about this? Like, what? Like, what does it do? And I just didn't understand the process. But then I think I watched you and a couple of other people going through the motions of actually using the Bakashi. And I was like, okay, this, like, it looks like it might actually work in my tiny weenie kitchen. And I ordered them, it's changed my life. Yeah. It's 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 fascinating how, like, it doesn't smell, like, the smell, like, people are like, it must smell, it must smell. Like, it has a smell, like, but it's not a bad smell. It's like if you made kind of something a bit vinegary. And I'll come in and I'll go, oh, have you just done the bakashi? And like yeah yeah I've just done it because I know that that's the smell of the bakashi but it's not yeah. something that smells bad and like I have both my um kind of fermenting bins are in my kitchen um and I don't think it smells um and I think I've been very <laughs> straight to laugh because we always whenever we're emptying out the compost we're always like there was pasta in this there were bones in this and it's just soil that's crazy <laughs> we spend a lot of time going this is soil I'm really sorry I'm just gonna have to stop you there because the new zoom update cuts you off after 40 minutes so it's gonna cut us off in a second but if you just rejoin the meeting we'll start it again sorry no it's fine um and the thing that I love about the Bokashi is which blows my mind is how much you can compact into it because it's obviously like breaking down as you're filling it up like for me because I live alone it takes me like a month to fill up or probably longer Mm -hmm. to fill up one bucket and because it's constantly breaking down, you fit so much in it. And it just, yeah, my bins have been much, much, much better. I think I probably, I don't know, because I did used to take a lot of it to the allotment. But yeah, it just, it saves a lot of problems. And the fruit flies, yeah. I I was like, there's no way that this is stopping fruit flies because they just, they seem to, you leave one crumb on the side and suddenly there's, yeah. but it really does work. I love it. Yeah. I've not yet put mine in the compost my bin is fermenting I think it's been fermenting for about a week since mm-hmm. I've not opened it so I think about another week and then I'll yeah it up. so we have now been I think we've done eight maybe bins because we ours fill up a little bit easier quicker because there's three of us and mm-hmm. also I like I do everything so like if I've cut flowers in the house they go yeah. in the bakashi and I Me don't too. compost any food waste anymore I bakashi everything organic from the house um goes in the bakashi and then to the compost mm-hmm. um and then I've been getting hops from a local brewery as well which I use in the compost that's oh, wow. been quite exciting I'm going to pick some up for today actually I've got loads to get they've been they've been a bit of a game changer because they they're a bit like grass cuttings in that they've got loads of like nitrogen they break down really quickly mm-hmm. um but they're nice and fine so they go in well um our main thing's been finding like the carbon to like 
match everything that we've got coming because we, we don't have a lot of trees near us that shed mm-hmm. their leaves and things like that so um we've now been um Mr H bought a really good shredder for his shop and all the cardboard that comes in from there now gets shredded so like they don't even have a, a recycling bin anymore oh wow because um, anything that can be recycled like cardboard that we could compost we shred that up and that goes in with the bukashi and that's where we're at with lots of compost which is really exciting oh that's amazing so do you use that instead of the bran or as well as we use it instead of our no we use the bran um but we use it as our brown kind of additive to the compost because we just don't have enough leaves or straw Mm -hmm. or dry stuff that's going in so um that's been really good because when we we found when we were bakashing because it it goes fast once it goes in the middle of your compost bin we're talking like you would notice a difference within five days oh, wow. of what's going in. And they just, so like we'll fill a bin and it will just go to like half within like a couple of weeks. It really ramps it up a gear. So we were finding that we just needed more brown in there because it was going so fast that it was becoming quite liquidy. But oh, okay. it's been, so we've been doing a bit of working out what our quantities are and stuff so that we can sort of share that with people and hope that it's then successful with them so yeah there'll be loads more of Akashi compost um content even because we're really we really love it that's so interesting see I don't add any like carbon into the Bukashi as it is I literally just do food based in the bran mm, that's all we do in our bins at home but when we oh okay big compost, uh, okay, we add yeah, all yeah. the brown that makes sense I'm glad you cleared that up because I was like oh yeah (laughs) you can put like kitchen roll and things into the bakashi it does say on our instructions you can but we just haven't bothered because we're like well we'll do that at the composting stage and then we kind of know what the amounts are and things like that um also cannot get enough cardboard I'm just like begging anyone who has any kind of business that they get lots of boxes because I've got 30 10 meter by one meter no dig beds to make and I'm like come on come on you need as much cardboard as possible yeah I would find yourself a small business shop that has like regular stuff delivered because we get I'm well stocked for cardboard it's really good I'll have to have a drive down I'll load the car up with boxes (laughs) and have a drive down to the flower farm to come and see and have a day with you and I'll bring you some cardboard sounds fantastic I did that with um Lucy at She Grows Veg when they did their volunteer day and I was like oh, yeah. down to Suffolk with a load of cardboard in the car but yeah one of the beds has got the box my fridge was delivered in, oh, <laughs> in the bottom what a lovely memory I know whenever she puts up pictures I'm like that's the one that that bed there that's my fridge box <laughs> need like a little label in it being like Steph's fridge yeah. lived here lives here yeah um so obviously the Picasso composting that is one of the things that I'm most fascinated about um, but you have also been making the most of lots of things. So you, I've seen you doing lots of preserves this year, which next year I really will get into it. This year I don't have enough produce, but I'm obsessed with anyone doing preserves this year. I love it. So this year my challenge was because I just didn't have enough stuff last winter where I was like, because oh, I think even if you can put a blob of jam in the top of your porridge, it makes it feel more homegrown and you're like this is so it makes it more wholesome and and kind of better so I was like I'm gonna make loads this year so it's been my real thing but what I found was when I looked for instructions on how to make these things and do these things people were like you need this thermometer and you need to do it like this and you can't do this and you can't reuse jars and you must buy these canning jars and I was like I don't feel like this is my vibe when it comes to doing things so I was like right I know the principles of this essentially I need a lot of sugar Mm -hmm. I need to boil it for a while and I'm going to stick it in a jar it will be fine and that's been my principle this year and I think if you make it feel more achievable you'll make loads more when you need to find a clove of something that grows nowhere and costs eight pounds and you're going to grate a millimeter of it into your jam you don't need it (laughs) it will taste nice without it when it's homegrown it tastes nice anyway because it's got half a ton of sugar in so (laughs) it's never not going to be nice um and I think there's this fear of is it going to set is it not going to set 
Um, and I say, just label it differently. If it doesn't set, you've made a syrup. If it's set, it's a jam. Like, don't stress. Don't stress about it. Um, so yeah, that was good. And I got a um, 1970s, it's called the Cordon Bleu Book of Chutneys and Jams. And it was 50p or a pound in a charity shop. And it's it's a bit like the instructions you get on Bake Off. So it says things like, you'll need to drip the jam. Like, I was like, what the hell is this? So um, I looked, I did a bit of Googling and found out that it's where you put it all in a bag and you let the juice drip out and then you put the sugar in that. But like literally all the instructions are like, boil some apples, drip them, put a bit of sugar in. <laughs> so I really like it. So I've been making a lot from that. Um, and then I've created my pantry which is just a small cupboard in my kitchen, which is full of jars. But I will call it a pantry. Do you know what? It's something we all aspire to. I might do the same next year when I've got all my preserves. I'm, I'm tempted to put a label on it that says pantry cupboard. Love <laughs> like, that. Be like, I'm committed to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we need to get away from overcomplicating things like that so that more people feel that they can have a go. Um, I got loads of messages about the plum jam and people were like, Oh, I didn't think any, I didn't think I could make jam. Like anyone can make jam. You just yeah. need a really good pan. The pan, it's all in the pan. If you've got a pan that won't burn at a high temperature, you, you're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I think so like yeah, you say, that the equipment is what scares me. It's what scared me off. I made a few jams a couple of years ago when I had a really nice kitchen and I had lots of space and it was just very easy to kind of like get these yeah. things done. And one of them was really runny, but like you said it was lovely like drizzled over cakes and stuff the other one was perfect and then I made this like pumpkin pumpkin jam that was a bit like cinnamon spice it wasn't my cup of tea but I had loads of friends that were obsessed with it like my friend now yeah I feel like I need to make this yeah it was just like it was probably like a BBC good food recipe or something like that Uh, every time it gets to this time of year she's like oh you're making that pumpkin jam again I'm like probably not it's not that nice but um (laughs) But I always think like, oh, wait, if I had all the equipment, then I'd feel shit, right? And it's the jars. Because I always feel like I don't understand how the little clicky bits and the lids work. And that's why I always thought you had to buy new jars because else they would yeah. keep for long So everyone says the real, like, if you go and look for, like, the proper guidance, which is what everyone should follow and they should not listen to me, is that you should buy new jars with new lids and you should never reuse lids and all of that jazz. I've been doing it now for eight years and I've never bought, well, I occasionally buy new jars if I've run out of old jars. I always use old jars. I always, I sterilise them. Like I put them through the dishwasher and then I do a cold sterilise with the sterilising tablets or whatever. And then I dry them in the oven. And then there's that much salt, vinegar, sugar or whatever that mm. preserves things. I've never had anything go off. And like a friend of mine found a green tomato chutney that I made about four years ago in her, the back of her cupboard and she opened it and it was fine um it's about kind of if you're going to ensure things don't get like botulism and stuff like that you've got to make sure that it's all very clean and there's no stuff like that and I wouldn't say to anyone like you take life with a pinch of salt like I'm willing to risk it um for a bit of green tomato chutney and, and to be honest none of mine ever survives over a year because I've eaten it yeah. <laughs> it's been on some cheese and crackers so I'm very much like if you follow the principles of keeping everything really clean, it shouldn't be a problem. And then just making sure you rotate and you eat the oldest things first and stuff like that. But if you're doing like more complex things, then yeah, you need to get into canning and all of that. Mm. But I'm only just learning about that and it frightens me. Like I put the stuff in the water and I'm like on edge for the entire time. And it's like the, the little suction things are popping. And then I'm like, is it? vacuum that isn't it is it and then you take them out and then they pop again and it's like oh god what is this um so yeah I'm not very confident with that bit yet but for like jams and like pickles and stuff I just reuse stuff like I keep looking down here just because I've got some jars next to me that I need to label later some um green tomato chutney that I made with chives vinegar this year oh I saw that on Instagram looks delicious we'll see how that affects the taste it was nice when I first made it obviously it's always better mm-hmm. when it comes to Christmas when it's with a slab of cheese but we'll we'll wait till you've shared your progress and mastered the canning before I uh, try anything for that yeah caliber 
we'll, we'll let me do the uh, exploration of that one. <laughs> I just think it's something you really excel at, and you know you've got me into Bukashi. So if we can, if we can move into canning next, that'd be fantastic. Yes, let's get you on. I'll get on to that. If anyone wants to give me some canning equipment, to out, that would be great. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Um, so the other thing which we have to talk about, obviously, is the Insta Village Fair, because yeah. one, I just love it. And also I was a judge this year, so extra special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, came, it came about because there wasn't any shows near me that I could go to that weren't like a big, big show that would be really intimidating. And because I just thought people have a lot to share. People do really well at things all the time. And it it started from just a want of something for people to do, because I think people it started during kind of COVID season and was just a time when people wanted something to do and to rally around something. And then it's just grown and grown and grown to this beautiful thing where everyone gets on board and quite frankly I don't think anyone cares about winning like everyone is just there to look at the hashtag and see all the inspiration and then I think the thing that I find that I go I'm always really stressed just before it starts I think no one's going to enter it's it's not going to work and it's going to be rubbish and then the hashtag starts filling up and then I start to notice like other accounts commenting on loads of the photos and like having chats with everyone and it building these conversations and then it just kind of goes off into its own thing and I just I just absolutely love it. It's it's so much fun to do. And it's always, I mean, the group chat for the judges is always really exciting because I'm always like, what's everyone going to think to the winner? And is everyone going to agree? And then everyone's like, it's just so much fun. I, I can't wait for the next one, to be fair. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely brilliant this year, especially. Um, and I think it's so good for inspiration. The amount of like obviously I judged the shed category and so I went through every entry about 80 times because it was actually really tough competition but there was so much that I've screenshot and like little details that I'm just, like yeah. that needs to come into my shed. I mean the winner of the yeah. shed category was fantastic the fact that that is on an allotment is just insane. phenomenal wasn't it it's yeah I love what I really like as well is there's no it's not about how many likes somebody gets no or, anything to do with that it doesn't matter how many people see your picture because it's about like the content of the photo and I liked that we did photos as well I, I really liked that because I mean I love making a reel don't get me wrong I mean I do always forget to film the end of my reels you should see how many drafts I've got I've got like hundreds of drafts that are halfway because I've started like filming how to make beetroot and then get halfway through and forget to film the canning stage so I think I filmed it like back in the summer and I still haven't filmed yet <laughs> um but I, I love a reel and I think they have a really good place in teaching skills and showing sort of a bit of footage on how to do something and I think that's brilliant but I enjoy the investment that people put around a photo and mm. those conversations that then come for that so it was nice to do that um and I'm hoping we can keep it growing and keep kind of making it into something special that people enjoy doing um and I'm kind of planning planning the kind of end of summer autumn one as we speak which is really good I just think it's brilliant and that because there's so many different categories as well like there's always something that someone can enter and I think especially at this time of year there were so many good ideas on like making cakes and doing mm. things with your produce because it's all fine and well that you can grow all of this amazing produce, but I really, really fall down on what to do with it. And then the next thing I know, the tomatoes have like, they've gone all mushy and they're starting to go mouldy. Yeah. And you're like, I spent all year growing these and I've just yeah. let them go to waste because I can't decide what to do with them. Uh, right now, yeah. my entire freezer is full of tomatoes that I haven't decided what I'm going to do with them yet. But I was like, chuck them in the freezer so that they at least last for a bit longer. Yeah. And I think it's, I think having a destination for things before you bring them in is a good a good mm. tip but I I mean I've got there's little baskets I'm like looking at my kitchen now there's little baskets of like a few green tomatoes there's a plate with some chilies on this there's, there's always something that needs something doing um and uh, yeah I just think that's that's part of it I think you'll net you won't find an allotment that hasn't got a plate with something on it on the side in the kitchen that they're going to do something with but they're yeah. not sure what yet <laughs> my number one go-to is a cake 
but I mean, I've not yet seen a recipe for tomato cake. <laughs> mm. I bet you could make a nice one. Maybe. Maybe like tomato and dark chocolate would be a bit of a mix with some spice in. Maybe. Is that I mean, you want me to try it? <laughs> I can't imagine no. it, but I'm no. thinking maybe more like a maybe a bread would be a better. Like a yeah, bread. bit of like or dry them, make some mm. dried tomatoes, and then That's like some dried tomato breads are always a good call. Mm. Can't go wrong with that. Um, yeah, there's always there's always something to be be found i think and next year i'm determined to get back to veg because obviously the flower farm will have all the flowers so the allotment doesn't yeah. need the flowers uh to get back to veg and to really really like make most of it because every year i go i'm just growing the things that i like the things that i eat and then i end up growing three courgette plants i'm like i don't like courgettes mm. i don't know how i grow them every year i'm glad it's not just me i i get FOMO when I see people growing things and I think oh I should grow that yeah um so I said to Mr H this year I'm actually going to sit down possibly this week and plan which will be the first year I've ever officially planned a, a plan for veg and I'm going to try and make sure that I've got something for every season that's oh, going nice. right um and I'm going to think through like what are we going to eat of that thing and work my way backwards mm-hmm. um because I think I often go oh I can grow these things like I can grow yeah. a brilliant courgette so I'll, I'll grow eight of those <laughs> it's not a good use of my space because I then spend money on a load of other stuff on the supermarket so yeah that's a good a good call for this year I think I'm actually going to go right I've just decided in this very moment I'm going to go right <laughs> back to basics and stop trying to grow all of the pretty Instagrammable like crazy veg and I mean this year I had quite a lot of corn but next year Every year I go, I need double the amount of corn. And I don't know why I don't just quadruple it one year. I probably will this year, just so that there's a massive... You can you just can't have enough of it. No, there'll never be enough corn. I mean, I definitely didn't have enough corn this year because all my corn died three times. <laughs> I mean, it was just not meant to be for me <laughs> corn this year. I killed the first lot of seedlings because I forgot about them and left them outside. Um, and they just died. And then the second lot got eaten by slugs. And then the third lot were like plants that I got from someone and I planted them out on the allotment and they all just like literally went in the ground and just killed over and died. No. Was like, I'm just not meant to have corn. But um, yeah, I'm going to go for a bog standard simple corn and fill the whole bed with it. Like yeah. I'm not, I normally do a three sisters, but I think I'm just going to do one sister and just go all out corn. Yeah, that's what I did this year. Thing. Works so well. And I, <clears throat> I actually goes against all my principles of what I did this year but it worked quite well and like now I feel like it's in a good place to go no dig so my mum did a RHS little course just as Covid started and she only did one day of it but they double dug um lots of stuff so we double dug this one bed put loads of manure in and then filled it back up and then I basically did no dig on top of it so there's loads of manure quite deep down because I was just trying to please my mum sorry for listening mum and then I topped up with like a really thick layer of mulch and the corn was not watered once this year it's the best corn I've ever grown it was brilliant and I feel like that bed now is just so well set up that yeah it probably won't even need topping up this year because there's so much in it but if I have some homemade compost I will but I think I need to move it to another bed because that bed was full with with compost but um yeah it was just amazing so many of the no dig beds this year didn't have a single drop of water and did so well I um I was trying to tell there's some people were talking to me on my allotment about oh the lack of water and stuff and I'd got I've got a pumpkin bed on the front which was one of the first no digs that I made and then this year I mulched it with the hops um and I didn't water the pumpkin at all. And it's, it's still going strong. It's bright green. It's really, really healthy. And it was like that in the middle of the drought. It didn't even wilt. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh, it's because I'm doing no dig and I've done this, that and the other. And they were like, they just kind of scuttled <laughs> away from me. Like, we're not going to be got by your voodoo growing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm hoping that people will see it get better and better every year. And we'll go, oh, she, she might have a point, actually, about this whole Definitely. no dig thing. My um the work garden, which is actually where I'm going after this podcast. Um I set it up like the year before and then when I left in I mean the last time I was in the office was probably the end of mid to end of June. And then no one touched it until I came back 
probably mid-August, end of uh, end of August. And the pumpkin patch had gone wild. When I left it, there was maybe four pumpkins with maybe five leaves each that were quite small. I came back and it had literally taken over. They were all over the paths. They were like rolling down the hill. And there was loads of pumpkins and we've had a really good harvest. And there's an Atlantic giant that I'm excited to see today because I wasn't there last week. Um, but yeah, we have and like none of it has been watered and it wasn't even particularly well known dug. But what we did was the first year when we dug out all of we basically took the turf off all of the beds because we had like a really low budget and we we're trying to do loads with the space. So we just took the grass off the top and did no dig in where the grass was and then piled all the grass upside down in the middle patch covered mm. it over and left it to rot for like a year and so that has just really done the world of good yeah. um, so I think the net like next year when we top it up again with a bit more mulch well this autumn when we top it up with a bit more mulch ready for next year I just think everything's going to be so self-sufficient which is what you need for that kind of garden yeah it's not someone tending to it all the time you need it to be like really low maintenance but really productive and so I'm so pleased with how that's turned out and the fact that those pumpkins have thrived from neglect <laughs> yeah and I think that's the thing is that people's perception of doing it feels expensive like they're like oh it's going to cost me a lot because I'm going to need to buy compost mm-hmm. um and I was a bit like that when I first started I thought there's no way and then I started doing like a couple of beds no dig and then I like I said to Mr H I can't warrant continuing to grow in the same way when I look at my no dig beds and I'm not watering them every week I'm not doing anything to them and I'm getting really good veg and I'm not getting as many weeds and they work better than everywhere else um so yeah now we've really gone for it and that was why we were like we need to be able to make our own compost because I mean I've fallen out of love with buying compost I've had such a rough year with it same. <laughs> I was like I've got to be able to make as much of my own as possible and then find a reputable company where I can buy it it's going to cost me more but at least I'm going to know it's quality mm-hmm. and then I can use my own to top that up and then I can kind of balance it out on what I was spending before hopefully but yeah it seems to be working so far and the homegrown compost is so satisfying as well like I need to turn I might do it at the weekend I need to turn my heat because I've never turned it or touched it but it's been there for since January maybe so I'm no maybe longer maybe August last year so I'm hoping that it will be quite well yeah the stuff at the bottom should be really like ready to go most probably it'll be all right it might just have a few bits in the middle that are a bit like we needed some air Mm. (laughs) what's happened um I've read so yeah. much about compost in the last few months that I feel like next year I'll have a whole new system. But yeah. like like you said, it's a whole process of like getting to know what's going to work for you and then yeah. trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. And I think it's knowing what you've got access to because there's no point like going, oh, I need these things to make good compost. If you've not got those things, you can't make that really good compost. But yeah. you know you can get your neighbours on board saving their egg boxes and toilet bowls and you can get some cardboard and you can ask everyone for their grass cuttings stick some bokashium with that and you you're cooking on gas like you'll have some compost don't um neighbours will give you stuff for compost oh yeah like our street now nobody mows their lawn without leaving a bag of of grass clippings outside my garage and everybody gives me their egg boxes and their toilet bowls and um I get when anybody gets like a big delivery with a big piece of cardboard they're like do you want this cardboard yeah go on then I'll put it in the garage (laughs) what a treat like jam jars and stuff like people turn up at my house like you know like normally people would turn up with like some flowers people turn up with like a little bag and they're like there's some shredded paper um from the shredder and some toilet bowls um, and an egg box and um, a little jar a jar and a little bottle that we thought you'd like um so I get given gifts like that which I'm like yes magic this is amazing and they're like a bit strange but, <laughs> but yeah I, I love it it's it's nice and I just think ask ask people because you'll get given so much stuff definitely and even like putting shout outs on like Facebook groups I found people yeah. so helpful we're doing do some school gardens and people are so willing to donate bits and pieces oh, of wooden plants and it's so cute isn't it I can't so wait to adorable. get back <laughs> it's gonna be a brilliant project to see and I can't wait to see how how that grows but yeah I think if you also just ask, like, put on Facebook, 
I really want a composter for my garden because I can guarantee that there will be at least one person that you know on your Facebook who has a composter in their garden that they have never ever used they don't know how to use it but they thought it was a good idea at the time and they will be more than happy to give it to you for free or very cheaply I mean we've got I think we've got 11 Mm -hmm. Dalek shaped composters on the plot that we use because we need to make a lot um and we've never paid more than five pounds for any one of them which is Um, brilliant because they are actually quite expensive to buy new yeah they they are but there are loads of them flying around that people don't want in their gardens so ask because people will give them to you definitely and then we can now move on to the growing gang, which is really exciting. So for yeah. people who are just getting started, I feel like this is going to be, if this had happened the first year I was growing, I would have been buzzing. So it was, what I thought was, I liked seeing how people's things progressed because it's that very much thing of, here's a seed that you've sown and then someone will show you in the summer and they've got this patch that's like just full of these flowers and you're like well what did you do in between like what happened does it look like this what does that seedling look like when it's ready to be potted on and all of those things but I knew I couldn't do it on my own um because there will I will invariably kill at least one variety of flower and I won't have it and then I won't be able to show people so I thought I know I'll ask around if there's anyone that wants to get on board and be part of a gang of people just sharing lives and videos and reels and photos and everything about what they're growing but what's been really nice is everyone started going this is what I'm growing and this is what I love about the community everyone's going these are the flowers that I'm doing and these are the things that I've started and this is what they look like and people are on stories and on and just it's been lovely so hopefully over the whole of the winter we'll be doing um just a few things and I'm hoping to maybe do a bit of a few lives with people and talk about what they're overwintering and what their jobs are over the autumn and things in the coming months so that'll be quite exciting because I've missed I've missed doing the lives I've not done them for a while so I think uh, it'll be fun to go back to them especially over the winter season when everyone thinks that gardeners have a little break <laughs> yeah we all sit down with our feet up oh, I do more yeah. work in the autumn than I do at any other time I think same winter last year was hardcore and winter this year is going to be even more hardcore <laughs> yeah you've only got a small farm to set up <laughs> need, to, need to buy some waterproofs I think <laughs> yeah definitely and some good shoes that will keep your feet warm yeah that is something do you know I keep looking at them and I just can't make a decision I'm too indecisive but it's on my it's on my list um I think the best person to do is go and look at a farmer find out what they're wearing on their feet in the winter because if they're wearing them and they're keeping their feet warm yeah we need like a farmer's outfit of the day hashtag yes (laughs) that would be do you know what though Amelia's flower farm she is a bit of a fashion icon Oh, I have looked at a lot of the things that she wears as inspiration. <laughs> like, <"Ooh."> I'm like, <laughs> what, what brand of foods are those? <laughs> Amazing. Um, so it has been so wonderful talking to you today. Thank you so much Thank for you. all your time. And I hope that we get to see each other again, probably not this year, but next year. Yeah, I hope kind of event. I'm going to try and force myself on you and come down and, and see the flower farm. Oh my I'll God, yes, please do. I'll I would love that. <laughs> Thank you well, for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. You too. See you soon. If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. Each share, comment and star rating makes such a difference in helping new growers to find the podcast and learn from all of the incredible guests who have been featured. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your stories and questions on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener or via email diaryofaladygardener at gmail.com. That's all from me this week. Happy growing! Happy growing!